We're going to talk about leadership tonight, week two. Um, We're going to put the text questions up there in our dating series. If you were here, we let you text questions in. We're going to do that a little different. I want you to text questions if you have any questions about leadership, but I'm actually going to answer those later next week when I have some free time, more like one-on-one. I won't announce in front of everyone, but if you have questions, I always want to be able to answer them for you. So you can write that number down. You can text them whenever, and I'll text you back. It's not my phone number, so don't get crazy, but it's a number. Uh, But yeah, so we're talking about, last week we talked about being... Uh, a f- being a great follower. And I said, hey, if you want to be a great leader one day, I think a myth that people don't think about is you need to be a great follower. If you missed it, we have a podcast. You just type in NLC Elevation, you can list that. This week, I'm going to switch it. I want to talk about being a leader worth following, right? And I think when it comes to being a leader worth following, I think the number one thing you have to think about, this is a big thought, it has to come down to your character. And when I say character, I mean godly character, where people are going to want to follow you. I have this thought. It'll be on the screen. I want you to write this down. It's kind of our main thought for tonight that will kind of filter everything to. And uh, I said this, you'll never be a leader worth following unless you are striving to have godly character. You will never be a leader worth following unless you're striving to have godly character. I'm not saying you won't be a leader. I actually tweeted this quote yesterday. It says, you can lead without character, but people won't follow you. You won't be worth following. So sure, you can be a leader, but I believe if, man, if you want to be a leader worth following, you got to strive. Strive is that verb. It's continuous. You need to be working towards some godly character. And let me give you some examples about just your character. It's cool. So what, think about the things you accomplish in life. One fancy word for that would be your achievements. Your achievements in life will make you known. These are some from a leadership book I've been reading. But your character will determine your reputation. So yeah, you'll be known by the things you've accomplished, but when people say the name Amir, they're going to immediately think about my reputation, and that has to do with my character 100%. Or another way to say it, your gifts and talents will decide your potential, which is an incredible thing, the way you've been gifted, but your character will determine your legacy, how you'll be remembered. All one day, we all want to leave our mark on this world, especially as followers of Christ. We want to leave a legacy, especially through our families, right? But Pastor Rick always says this, we're going to be remembered by how we finish, Not by how we start, sometimes not even the beginning, not our accomplishments, but the legacy we leave behind. And that's always connected to our character. And it's a different thought, I know, but I want you all to be people who are building towards godly character. Because I see this a lot in our age. And I I, I struggled with this in in undergrad for sure. A lot of y'all, or most if not all y'all, y'all are very gifted. You have a lot of potential, whether you believe it or not. Some of y'all are already leading in a lot of ways. But what ends up happening to a lot of people, and what I don't want to happen to you, is that your gifts take you further than your character can sustain you. So you're gifted, you have a lot of potential, but your gifts and accomplishments take you further than your character can sustain you. And I say that boldly because that's happened to me because the moment I became the leader of this organization, I'm going to talk to you a lot from my perspective, I lead within a church, that's where I lead. But I became the leader of this organization and I had to make sure and I had to start working on my character more than my gifts and other things because I had to be able to represent you guys. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, but I have to remember when I'm foolish and I don't have walking godly character, I, I'm making mistakes for y'all too. And that's not the leader I want to be because I want to be a leader worth following, right? It's always about that. So we should be led by our character. People are drawn to our character. Sometimes in the beginning, they're drawn to our abilities or our talents, but ultimately with people that stick with us as a leader worth following, it's going to be our character that sustains us. Okay, so I have some examples of some famous people. And I, when they come on the screen, I just, I, I'm going to say the names. I want you to think what's the first thing that comes to mind. We're going to kind of do it before and after pick. But we're going to do a little fun silo. The first one is, <laughs> my Cyrus, better known as the sweet 
Hannah Montana. How many girls loved Hannah Montana? Come on, ladies. Okay, sorry, I won't start singing. Now, next picture, where we're at now. I think that's not a cigarette on stage, so. I came in like a wreck. Okay, next picture, we're not. Oh, Britney, and that kind of provocative skirt on that cover album photo. How many girls love Britney? Let's be honest. How many guys wanted to marry Britney? Yeah, three bros, y'all are liars. Britney now, maybe, or not now, but yeah, that was on the news one day. That one's scary. I've never seen that before, Beth. Whoa, next picture. I'm scared. Chris Brown. I love some Chris Brown. Run it, run it. Yeah, you know? And then he's got a neck tap. That's not what I'm trying to get you to look at, but he might beat up his girlfriend. Uh, that happened. He, he was in jail for that. Fourth one, Lance Armstrong. Incredible man. Won uh, seven, I believe, Tour de France. I used to watch, I watched, I used to watch in high school Tour de France just for him. And then we found out later that he doped, that he took performance enhancing drugs. He actually got his, all of his Tour de France revoked. Um, he was an icon in his, the best ever in his field. And the last one is sad, but it's just Tiger. Tiger's incredible. Tiger's still playing. Tiger's so awesome. But Tiger fell in a big way. And ever since then, he hasn't been able to bounce back. He had some affairs that went public. And you can take those off. I'm not putting those people on the screen to bash them or to put them on blast. Um, but you have to know that in their area where they were leading, whether it be media, uh, art, or s sports, in their areas, they were going to be or they were some of the best ever. But what ended up happening was their character could not sustain their talent. And I'm not trying to bash them, but I'm just trying to tell you, these are people we all looked up to as children, and their character could not keep up with what they were going. And then they made decision after decision, whether it was an affair, whether it was drug and alcohol abuse, whether it was doping. I don't know. Everyone's different. But the character is one thing that came to, to, to pass. So my heart for you guys is that you would know that your character is so important to supporting your gifts. And you got to know this. I said this last week boldly. You guys are all called to be leaders. And I know some of y'all at the sound of my voice are like, no way, Amir, you don't know me. You don't know my personality. I'm a little more timid. No, you're called to be leaders. You all are. Where you lead is up to the Lord. It might be in a church. It might be an organization. It might be at your college. It might be your, your job. One day, most of you who want a family, you're going to lead within your family. God's called you to be a leader, but I want you to not take your eyes on what I could be one day. I want you to start building this character. And I know this is a thought for, the, for something continuous, but I think the greatest leader you can be is all conditional on your character. It really is. You're going to have a leadership lid on top of you if you never want to grow in your character. I, I believe that. And so if you're taking notes, I've entitled this message, Would Anyone Follow You? Last week, I asked a question. I said, can you follow just to get you thinking, this week, the question, the name of my no, the sermon is, would anyone follow you? I know that's a little bold, but it's just something to challenge you. Would anyone follow you? Right now, if you inherited a Fortune 500 company, if you got your dream job right now, I could have some weird genie in a lamp. I know my name's Amir, but I'm not the guy off Aladdin, I promise. Uh, if I could do that right now, would you have the character to sustain that? I'm not trying, I mean, I'm coming as your pastor. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm just trying to get you thinking out of your perspective. This character is really important. You're called to be leaders. So, as usual, I'm going to give you three kind of aspects of godly character. They're not the only aspects. There can be a hundred more. But there are three when I was praying for you guys or three that have really been a big deal in my life to grow in the potential as a leader that I believe God's called me to be. So I want to share those with you all. So number one, if you're taking notes, the first one is uh, being teachable. Being teachable. I'll give you a minute to write that down. Teachable. The definition um, via Google.com of teachable, it's very simple. It's able to learn or be taught. 
And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew 28, 19, verse 20. Our phones, Bibles, it'll be on the screen shortly as well. Um, but one, one scripture I want to show you, this is called the Great Commission. It's at the end of the Gospels. We read this in the year of the Bible about two weeks ago. And it's arguably one of the most famous scriptures ever. It's really important. It's one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples. So have me all know that's pretty important, right? And you've probably heard this before, but something stuck out to me when I read this in the year of the Bible. So it's probably, Lord, I mean, whether hearing in a sermon, it's probably the 30th, 40th time I've heard this, but something stuck out that I really think comes to being teachable. So if you have it ready, we'll put it on the screens. Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus is talking. Then Jesus came, let me read it out of my Bible. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, get that word teaching, obey everything I've commanded you. Okay? So it's interesting. I love the first thing he says. Jesus says, hey, all authority has been given to me, meaning I've been sent. He's the Son of God. I've been sent by the Father. But when he's given this command, he's given that, this command with that authority, meaning, hey, I'm giving this to you. And this, this command is for us today. So sometimes we read the Bible and we're like, well, that's for 2,000 years ago. No, no, no. God's speaking that to us because we are called to do the same thing, right? So he's saying, hey, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. We got that. And then what I didn't really ever notice was that the last part he says, and teach them to obey everything. I've taught you. And I thought, wow, I don't think I've ever noticed that. I just think make disciples, make disciples, hashtag make disciples. I just think we make a funny joke out of it. But what's cool about that is I realized this. I felt like this is what God taught me when I read that. It was kind of like, Amir, how can you teach someone if you've never been taught before? That's what I realized. How can I go and make disciples? How can I teach people anything? And again, we're talking about leadership. How can I teach someone if I've never been taught before? Again, the point's being teachable. And what's cool about this, I learned this last year, a year into me being pastor. The word disciple in the Greek means learner. That's what it means. A disciple of Christ is a learner of Christ, a follower of Christ, right? And I've heard many countless leadership coaches say that leaders are learners. There's a direct correlation. If you want to be a great leader, you got to be a lifelong learner. That's the phrase they would say. Amir, what, should, what, what, what about being teachable? I said, well, people have always told me you need to be a lifelong learner. Not a one-stop shop. Not, oh, yeah, one year I thought about growing. For three years, I said, deuces, <laughs> I'm done growing. No, you want to be a lifelong learner. I want to give you a quote from John Maxwell. He wrote a 1,000 leadership books. Um, it is the capacity to develop and improve their skills that distinguish leaders from their followers. I'll read it again. It is the capacity to develop and improve, talking about being teachable, growing, learning, their skills that distinguish leaders from followers. So if you're like, hey, Amir, how do I be different? How do I grow? How do I be set apart or ahead of, not in a bad way, but in a hopeful way so you can lead people behind you or one day lead people? Well, you need to be continuously growing. You need to be teachable. And what I love about being teachable, I've heard in my life, pastors, anyone, leaders, they said that I would believe that strongly say that being teachable is arguably the best or the top three leadership component that you can have. You know, like, well, Amir, that's kind of bold. Why would you say that? Because if you're teachable, then you're able to learn any other thing that you need to know about leadership, anything you need to learn about life, anything you need to learn about an occupation, anything you need to learn about a culture of an organization, your job. Why? Because your heart is teachable. You're open. You're malleable. You're open to learn. You're not set in stone. You're not my way or the highway. You're teachable. Well, then you can learn anything because you're teachable. That's the importance of it. It's such a simple thing. I know when I say this to y'all, you're like, well, I get it. But how teachable are we sometimes? And then think about all areas of life especially things we're good at, because we can always learn from someone. One thing I want to say about being teachable is there's no right or wrong way to learn. Society might say this or might that. You might be a visual learner. You might be an auditory learner. You might be, a, I think the word is tactile. You feel a learner. Um, someone's like, yeah, that's right, Amir. Thank you, OT. Um, 
There's a lot of different ways to learn. So I don't want you to already disqualify yourself with your vibe. There's different ways. Some of y'all love to read. Some of y'all hate to read. <laughs> some of y'all like to watch stuff. Some of y'all learn from other people the best. I don't know what it is. But I want to ask y'all a couple of questions just right there in your seat just to help you assess where am I at with being teachable. Again, this is not to, I'm not being mean. or I just want to challenge your thinking and get you a, a, a kind of a litmus test of where am I at. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Do you frequently ask questions or take notes, especially in the areas you don't know much about? Again, if you don't do those things, nothing's wrong. I'm just, we're talking about being teachable. Do you seek advice from others? Anything, relationships, job, school, work, challenges. Do you ever ask for advice? This is my favorite one. Are you a good listener? Are we quick to talk always? Or can we listen? Because if we're a good listener, we're going to be a great leader. We're going to be very teachable. Are you open to criticism and feedback? And I mean constructive criticism. Someone wants to kind of coach you on something. Are you always like, well, you're trying to hurt my feelings? That was how I was big time in undergrad. No, people are for you. I'm talking about people that are trying to help you, make you better. Do you accept responsibility for your failures? So as a leader, we're, gonna, we're not going to be perfect, guys. Let me take the air out of the room. It's okay if you mess up. It's okay if you fail. You're doing your best. You made a mistake. But do we accept that? Or do we try to give excuses? Or do we beat ourselves up? No, no, no. And being teachable is not beating yourself up. It's just saying, hey, I made a mistake. Well, help me understand what I can do better. We're trying to be the best leaders we can. Are you open to learn from anyone? This is my second favorite one. Anyone. Someone younger than you, you're on a team, a freshman. Ooh, Amir, did you just say that? Yeah, I did. You've been working at a place for five years, and they've been working there for six months. Someone in a lower economic status than you, someone of a different race than you, someone of a different occupation. Are you open to learn from anyone? Because that's a good sign if you're teachable. Kids can teach us stuff. You want to figure out how to find your joy back? Go hang out with some kids. They're going to show you. Because we were always having a blast when we were little, and then we got older and crazy stuff started happening. That's why kid life's awesome. You need to go serve. Okay, just kidding. Plug, are you open to making changes that God might be leading you to make in your life? So you feel like whether it's the word, whether it's at church, whether just in life, you're trying to improve and you feel like, man, God really wants me to do this. But do I do it? Am I teachable there? <laughs> just a story to help make, make this come to life. And I, for me, I, I've always been blessed to be pretty teachable. Because I've always had people in my life, mentors, soccer coaches, all these people who really beat that in my head. You need to be teachable. You need to be open to learn. You need to be teachable. Okay. So it's something I started to get better at, and it was, de- it was something stronger th- for me, leadership trait. I'm not the best at it. I was just teachable. Well, when I became pastor, you really get tested in it. Some people say, like, when you get, when you get married, uh, that your, like, personality comes out, your flaws come out. I'm not married. But I, when, you get, when you become a pastor, the same happens too. And so I learned where I was weak, where I was strong, where I was an idiot, where I thought I was cool. I'm not cool at all. Okay, so uh, one time we were making a decision for a trip with a group of people. And I remember we, we couldn't come to a consensus. And we actually, we didn't argue, but it, we were like having some, we were butting heads on some stuff. And I was like, I didn't know how to resolve it. I was having a hard time in meeting. So I went to meet with Pastor Neil, our comedy pastor. And I said, Neil, I, we're having a hard time making some decisions. And I don't feel like I can communicate well. I don't know what's going on. I process with him, getting some wisdom, right? And he told me this. I, wrote, I want to read it the right way. He said, well, Amir, what if their idea is better than yours? And I was like, well, I haven't thought about that. And he said, Could you be, would you be open to doing it their way and getting to the same end goal? And I thought, well, I'm the pastor, though. And I, I think I'm right. Like, could I not be right? And he goes, well, there's times you're not going to be right. I was like, oh, that's kind of humbling. And so we end up, you know, I kind of swallowed it. I end up doing what they were saying to do. And I know this might smell something. And it ended up being way better than I ever, my idea was, way better than my plan was. It got us to our same end goal. And what I realized was I just wasn't being teachable. I was actually leading by position. And when you talk about the levels of leadership, that's for another talk. That's the weakest way to lead is by your position. I'm the pastor. We do this. I'm, I'm the coach. We do this. I'm the a boss. We do this. I'm the, I'm the 
senior, we do this. That's the weakest form of leadership. It's not a bad way. But by right, that's what that's called, is the weakest form. The next one would be relationship, right? I was leading by right, and that's a weak form of leadership. But what was happening was I wasn't being teachable. And what's cool is I probably wasn't being the most exciting leader to follow in those meetings, but I had to learn from someone above. And so I want you guys to be open to learn, open to grow, being teachable. I know you all are like, okay, I, mean, I get what that is, but how often in all aspects of our life are we teachable? Number two, being content. This is one for our generation, young adults. Contentment, it's important. Being content, definition of content via Google, in a state of peace, happiness, satisfaction, when I say content, I want you to think about your perspective on life or your perspective on your current situation, school, job, work, relationships, whatever it may be. Philippians 4, 11, 13, Paul's talking. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret, watch that word, of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's a famous scripture at the end of that. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So what Paul is saying is, hey, I have learned, keyword. This kind of goes back to our last point, being teachable. He didn't say I have it all together. He said I have learned through high times, through low, through failure, through success. I've learned the secret. I love that. It's hard to find contentment, guys. So if you're having a hard time being content, it's okay. It's hard to find. We're going to figure it out, though. I've learned the secret of being content. And I love that because what, what to me it is, it's no matter what the circumstances, Paul's saying, you gotta tr- I'm trusting the Lord with everything. And what's cool about it is, I had a buddy tell me this today, I was telling him about my sermon, and he, he had this quote he found th- based off this scripture. It says, circumstances are the arena of spiritual growth. I like thought of like gladiator, <laughs> like you step in, curveball comes and you're like, you know, and you're like in a battle. It's like the, one of the best ways you can grow spiritually is a circumstance, a curveball, something unexpected. Or something great that happened that was unexpected. That might be one of the best areas for you to grow spiritually. I love this last phrase. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We have tattoos of this. We tweet this. But sometimes in Scripture, it's a great thing to know, but we don't understand the full context. He's saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength in any circumstance. A crappy circumstance, I can do all things. A great circumstance, I can do all things. Something unexpected, I can do all things. That's what you need to know the heart of that scripture comes down to contentment. But I think in our generation, big picture speaking, it's hard for us. We're quick to look for something new, what's next, what's better. Technology has a thing to play in that, instant gratification. I think sometimes we as a generation could be ungrateful for times. That's what our parents say a lot. Well, back in my day, we didn't have this and this and this. It's just gadgets. You know, like, mom, stop, dad, stop. But I think what happens is we're so, and I'm not saying, guys, there's anything wrong with dreaming or planning. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about searching and not caring what's going on over here. And I think what's going to happen is, because it's happened in my life, but what tends to happen, guys, is we miss things that God wants to teach us now, grow us in now, do through us in now, celebrate in us now. We miss it because we're searching for something else. We lack contentment. That's the challenging part about it. Think about this. If you want to be a leader worth following and you're, and you're always discontent, why would anyone want to follow you? It's like me, I came on stage, and I'd be like, guys, I'm so excited, February 2016. But, man, 2018 in Elevation is going to be way better. Um, we're probably not going to have service until 2018 because I'm so excited about it. But y'all can, like, do something on Thursdays. I don't really care what y'all do, but it'll be great, right? Excited? And y'all are like, this is the stupidest church I've ever been to. I'm not excited about this all because I wouldn't be content in what we're doing now. Yeah, I dream about y'all for the future. Yeah, I pray for y'all every day, but we got to be content where we're at. Because discontentment, guys, it leads to a lack of joy or fulfillment. If you feel like you're not enjoying something in life, 
Just ask, am I content anymore? Have I lost my contentment? It's not a bad thing. You just want to get it back. I found this quote. It'll be a lot for you to write, but you can get the highlights. This quote online says, being content doesn't mean you never want change or you, have, you, you, you can't have anything else in your life. It does mean, though, you can be satisfied to wait with a good attitude for whatever God chooses to do in your life. I know that sounds super cheesy for the guys. They're like, oh, good attitude, Amir. Blah, 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 blah. You guys are looking at me like, uh, Amir, stop. The girls are like, yeah, good attitude for whatever God chooses in life. The girls all wrote that down. That's why we're different. It's saying no matter the circumstances, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to speak life, and I'm going to say, God, I trust you. That's what it says. And I know if you're like me, you don't do that very often. Um, so some application for this point, some things, how can I be more content? I want to give you some applicable points. One thing we say around here a lot as a church, we believe as a church, is that God is the promoter. So just think about that. Think about it with a job. It's probably the easiest way to think about it. God's the promoter. I'm not saying you don't work hard. I'm not saying you don't strive for things, but God's the one who promotes. It's not conditional upon us. On our best day, on our worst day, God is the promoter. His timing, we trust in him. Because the opposite of that is this. We, we do things like this. We say, well, I'm going to be self-promoting. So I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to do things on my own strength. I'm going to do things on my own timing. But then when it doesn't work out the way I planned it, I'm discouraged. I'm frustrated. I doubt why I'm even here. Did I make the wrong decisions? And I wonder if God's simply like, no, 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 you're just trying to promote yourself. You're just not ready. It's okay. Because God's trying to do a work in us now to prepare for us later. That's the key to contentment. If you're wondering, Amir, I'm having a hard time being content. I, I would just say click and remind yourself, hey, God's trying to teach me something right now. That's why he hasn't moved me. Because he's always in the business of preparing us for something in the future. But when we lack content, we miss it. He'll still, his plan will still come to pass. He'll still move in our life. But we miss it because we want so much here. And he said, I want you to learn something right here that's going to set you up for success. That's what's cool about God. God's the promoter. The second one I would say is be planted where you are. I know that sounds cheesy, but think of a, think of a literal tree. Like I need you to take root where you're at right now in life. Not be quick to change or if, if, if a circumstance came, it wouldn't, it wouldn't rock your world. I'm taking root. So if you're a student, I, the, I think the phrase is Dr. Seuss, wherever you are, be all there. I've seen that on like a kindergarten person's teacher and they're like chasing the little colorful things. I don't know. I just had a visual earlier. Sydney likes it. She's a teacher. Um, I, if you're a student, and this sounds cliche, but I need you to be the best student you can be each year of your life. If you're a young adult who's working, I need you to do the best you can in your job. You're a man and woman of God. You're called to be a light in that place, and you just got to fight for contentment. Now, a lot of you at the sound of my voice, you're a student, and this semester you're probably in classes you hate. You might be questioning your major. You're a young adult in this room, and you definitely aren't in the job you want to be one day. Some of y'all have recently graduated or are going to graduate, and you work right now, and you think, this is not what I want to do one day with the rest of my life. And I'm just saying, there's no mistake that you're there unless you just jumped into something crazy. I just believe that if you fight for contentment, you take root, God's going to promote you in the right time. He's going to teach you things on the right way, and he's going to exalt you in the time that you need to be. That's what's cool about being planted where you're at. The next one I would say is be faithful with God has given you. Being faithful. I, that's like one of those things. If someone said, hey, what, what, what would you, you're a pastor. What do you want the young adults, the millennials of this generation to be known by? I would, like, I would love to say, I want us to be the most faithful people of this world. With our word, with our commitments, with what we're going to do. Seth, one of our leaders, always says, what do you have in your hand? God said that to Moses. Are we being faithful what's in our hand, metaphorically speaking, the opportunities we have, the friendships we have, the jobs we have, the people we love, our family? Are we being faithful with those things? Are we being good stewards with those things? I think that's a great way to be content. The last one is just thankful. Sometimes, guys, that phrase, count your blessings, though it sounds super cliche, the other day, I had a crazy afternoon. I don't really know what happened, but I kind of got overwhelmed by all these things. And I literally, the first thing I thought of, I don't do this often, I was like, I'm just going to start praying for the things that were great today. And I had completely forgotten about five minutes what I was worrying about because I just got thankful. 
Sometimes I know your circumstances aren't easy, but we all have a roof overhead. Most of us have a car. Most of us have dinner on the table. And though that sounds cliche, we have something to be thankful for. Can I get an amen, right? We have something to be thankful for. For me, it's been crazy because when I was an undergrad and I was involved in a lot of organizations, I wasn't Captain Contentment. I stunk at it. I thought, I want to be the president of everything. I want to be involved in everything. I want to go to every UCA athletic. I went to UCA. I want to go to every sporting game. I want to just do everything. I thought I was super bad. I'd never sleep. Blah, blah. No contentment. Um, and I, I just moved along through stuff. Stuff still went well, but I think I missed out on a lot that God had for me because I never planted. I never let God promote me. Well, when I came to this church, I had been blessed with a lot of leadership experience, but I didn't really ever, I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't know anything about church. I just came. I was kind of scared. And uh, oh, people are singing, raise their hands. I don't know what's going on. But it was awesome. But it was cool. But it was scary. Okay, so just kidding. Y'all are acting like you're not happy. That's why I'm trying to say silly stuff. Um, God's a promoter. So what happened was I started serving at Elevation for a couple years, and I loved it. And then I got the opportunity to lead when I was in grad school. And I got to lead a life group, and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. My, the guys in my group were awesome. And I thought, man, I'm really content. I was interning with our old pastor, Garrett. And then I got the opportunity. I wanted to lead life group for a long time. I got approached to be a leader of leaders. In, our, in Elevation, our leadership structure is called a coach. So we have people in this room who coach our life group and serve group leaders. That's our leadership structure, kind of like a supervisor, like a boss. And I got asked to be that, and I didn't expect it. But it was an awesome opportunity, and I loved it more. God gave me a new love for that position than my old position. I want some of you all to hear that. Give me a new, new love for that. Well, I was completely content. This is what I thought my life was going to be. I was like, okay, in a year I graduate from grad school. I'm going to be a therapist in town. I'm going to do mental health counseling in the city with people who are far from God or people that are hurting. It's going to be awesome. It's intimidating, but it's going to be awesome. And then I'm going to intern with Elevation and be a leader until I'm like 60 and it's awkward. And then I'm not going to move to a different ministry and help someone else because I don't want to be the 60-year-old guy walking around here and scaring everyone. And uh, I was content. I was like, this is awesome. And one day Garrett looked across the table from me and he said, we're moving to Fayetteville. I want you to pray about being pastor. I slightly peed my pants and uh, <laughs> spilled my coffee, and I said, ha, 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 I began to pray about it. I believe God called me to be the leader of this organization. I know all y'all are not dreaming to lead, to work in a church one day, but I'm just trying to show you where I lead. And God, I believe God called me to it, and I believe God promoted me to it. But let me tell you, this is the key of that story. I know that I know that I know that I would have never got the opportunity. God, God would have never called me to it, and I would never got offered the opportunity if I wasn't content. I know that with every ounce of everything in me. If I wasn't content, I don't believe this opportunity came because I wouldn't have been ready. And what I came to find out, every day that would pass as a pastor, and I was a little insecure, and I was nervous because you guys are incredible, and I'm like, how do I lead you guys? Everything that I had just been through was preparing me to be the best pastor I could be. That's the crazy part of all of it. But I was soaking things up because of contentment. Last point. We'll get out of here. Teachable, being content. The last one is being humble. Wore a shirt last week. It said, stay humble, hustle hard. That's one way you can say it. Or don't hustle hard, and you just hustle slow. You'll be weird. <laughs> Being humble, and we'll end with this. First Peter 5, 5 through 6 is the scripture will be on the screen. Peter's talking. In the same way, you, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. He's talking about authority in the church. All of you, clothe yourselves, hear this, with humility towards one another because, and he quotes another scripture, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. One thing you need to hear about the scripture, the only thing I want you to hear is this. God opposes the proud. And I think sometimes we hear that scripture and we, we hear it a little softer than it should be. God doesn't dislike the, the, the proud. He opposes them. Almost where God's against the proud. But he gives favor to the humble. 
the reason why Satan became Satan because he was actually an angel in heaven. It's a crazy thought. I can't wrap my mind around it. And he was so prideful, it led to his fall because he wanted to be God. That's what happens in our life. We let pride creep in. Check out this verse. This is Jesus talking, Matthew 23, verse 11 and 12. I love this. The greatest among you will be a servant. There are, the disciples are arguing about who's the best. They're literally saying, I'm the best. <laughs> no, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. And, and Jesus said, no, no, the best will be the servant. No, like, Jesus, that doesn't make any sense. The servant, because Jesus is always talking about servant leadership. He actually would go to say in Mark, you know, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life for a ransom. If you want to be a better leader, I would ask you, are you serving anywhere? That was, that was bonus. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Exalted means raise yourself up. So he, Jesus is saying, and it applies to us now, hey, if you want to do things on your own, it goes back to being content. And you want to raise yourself up, you're going to be humbled. There's a chance by that. Not necessarily by me, but by something in this world. But man, if you want to be humble and fight to be humble, again, I'm not talking about we're perfect. You want to fight to be humble, in the right time, I'm going to exalt you. And how many of y'all like me? I want to be exalted by God because God can exalt me or raise me up way better than Amir could ever raise himself up. That's the cool part about that. But the difference in pride and humility, there's a lot there. I'm not going to talk about pride. That's another message. But I want to say this quote about pride. It was in this book I've been reading. It said, pride is the root cause for the undoing and fall of most leaders. The root. It might not be the reason, but think of the root of where someone might fall. It always has to do with pride. With pride. And what's cool, Pastor Rick has always told us since they moved here, he felt like God put simply on his heart when they moved here from Louisiana. God said, if you will stay humble and have integrity, my hand will be on this church. 15 years ago, Pastor Rick felt like God put that on his heart, and he's been telling us every year since. So to end this message, I want to tell you, I want to give you the definition of true humility. Because I think sometimes we, under, we, we want to be humble, but we don't understand what that really means. We end up just kind of like saying, well, I'm not good. And we, I want to tell you what it is. One definition of true humility is this. Pastor Rick teaches us. True humility is not denying your strengths. Not denying your strengths. But being honest about your weaknesses. I'll say it again so you can think about it. True humility is not denying your strengths, but being honest about your weaknesses. What does that mean, Amir? It means you're... I'm not saying boast about your strengths. I'm saying what we do sometimes is we think we're being humble. We deny our strengths. Well, Amir, you did a great job of that. Oh, no, no, it was all right. It wasn't me. And we kind of deflect our strengths. But then we're not very open about our weaknesses. We do life alone. We think we can have it all together on our own. And God's saying, no, no, no. This is why I created the body of Christ. So where, Amir, you're weak and someone else is strong, they can cover you. But, Amir, where they're weak and you're strong, I need you to cover them. I don't need you to be carbon copy leaders. I don't need you to be the same thing as your roommate. I don't need you to be the same thing as your brother or sister. I need you to be you because you're the only you in this world I created. And when I want you to be a leader, I don't want you to push off your gifts. I want you to be proud of them. True humility, I want to give you some examples. You need to be yourself. I know that sounds silly, but some of us want to be someone else. I love social media, but what I hate about social media, it, it births comparison in all of us every day, myself included. It's hard for me to be on social media sometimes because that's where the enemy comes with comparison. True humility. I want you to be confident in God, who God has created you to be. If you're tall, short, dark hair, dark skin, personality, whatever it is, you got to know that's how God created you. And true humility is saying, this is who I am and this is who I'm proud of and this is the leader I'm going to be. I'm not going to try to be like someone else. I'm not going to put myself down. That's not what humility is. That's a false humility. This is my favorite one. True humility is receiving compliments. I don't know what happened, but like our generation, we're like awkward about compliments. Someone starts to encourage you and you like put your head down and you get really red and you're like, oh, stop talking about me, stop talking about me, stop talking about me. 
And it's okay. I know everyone's different. I once heard someone say that if you have a pulse, you need encouragement. And what happens is I feel like God set up the, the body of Christ and believers to encourage each other. But something in the enemy and pride has told us in some way that we don't need to receive the encouragement. So people in this room, myself included, can be hurting at times. And God has put people in our path to encourage us. And we won't receive the encouragement because we think we're being humble. But that's not humility. Humility is being open because you're open for your weaknesses and you're letting someone speak into your life and encourage you. The last one, C.S. Lewis said this, true humility is not thinking less about yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking about yourself, less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less. The frequency, what's always on your mind, your focus. But it's not putting yourself down. So a couple quick tips. Do you ask for help? Are you quick to forgive? Are you patient, a peacemaker? Do you serve others? So we're talking about humility. Are you thankful? Are you quick to repent? Can you give things to God, man? What, scripture says that we all fall short. Man, we just go to God with those things. Do we respect others? This is my favorite one. Do you celebrate other people? That's a next level humility. Celebrate others when they do well. Because what happens in our generation, I do this a lot. I have to watch myself, especially in dating relationships. Guys, we like to be the one-upper. Or just in life, anyone. So like your friend, your roommate comes over, if you're a college student, you're like, I got a 92 on that test. And the next breath, you're like, that's great, I got a 95. <laughs> and they're like, I freaking hate you. <laughs> Why are you, you're like ecstatic. And you're like, oh, you got, oh, cool. I didn't really study last night. You're like, I'm going to shoot you in the face. That's what I'm going to do. A one-upper, right? Or, or someone, okay, hey, I have, a, I have some friends who are currently looking for jobs, or getting job interviews, and it'd be like, the one-upper is like, hey, I finally got a job interview. And they're like, that's great, I had five last week. And you're like, Hmm, that's cool. Well, I'm going to light your car on fire later because <laughs> I'm just mad. We, 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 we're sarcastic. We joke. But, man, let's not be one-uppers. Let's celebrate others. When I was praying for you all this morning, and we're about to end. I've gone a little later than I wanted to, but let me just really be honest with you. Let me get away from the notes. I really feel like when we pray here in a second, because we always pray at the end of our service, I really feel like God is already speaking to most of you all about something. But I had a really hard time sermon prepping today. And I'm growing in the way I sermon prep, but I can't explain it. It was like everything was really hard today. And I kept praying. I actually spent a couple hours this morning, I know that sounds weird, listening to worship music and just trying to get focused to speak to y'all. But something kept happening. And the only thing I could muster up in my mind that thinks makes sense is that God wants to do something in y'all tonight. And that something was trying to come against me to not make that happen. And I'm just trying to be really real with you guys. So when I was praying for you guys, this is the one thought that came up. If you're wondering, Amir, I'm, I'm striving to be humble, but sometimes pride comes in, I would ask this question. When it comes to being humble, who gets the glory? Do you get the glory or does he get the glory? That's a good way to filter humility, even if it's unintentional. Now, I'm not saying you can't be happy about accomplishments. I'm not saying you can't celebrate. But when it's always about Amir, 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 there's no God in that picture. We're called to be deflectors to God when it comes to glory. Point people to God. We're in a last story and we'll be done. We're in an internship meeting. Pastor Rick talked about this, pride and humility. He's really passionate about it. It's incredible. And he got to the end and he said, hey, let me, let me tell you all one thing. And, you know, we're all like taking notes, looked it up. He said this. He said, if you want to know who I'm talking to in this room, let me tell you these two th thoughts. He said, those of you that are humble are thinking right now, man, I need to work on this stuff. And he said, man, and he goes, the prideful people in this room are thinking, that doesn't apply to me. I sucked the air out of the room. He goes, that's the two kind of people in this room. He goes, and I know y'all are interns, but some of y'all are thinking right now, that doesn't apply to you. And I would just ask you where you're leading right now. And I'm saying this out of love to be your pastor. 
Some of y'all right now are thinking, I don't know if this really applies to me. But I think there's some areas God wants to work. Because the coolest part about what we've been talking about tonight, leader worth following. Guys, it is so hard. Trust me. And some of y'all have this in your life. It is so hard to follow a prideful leader. Some of y'all are at a job or an organization right now. They might not know it. But it is so easy to follow a humble leader. And you want to do anything for them. And we're talking about being a leader worth following. And I don't want day someone to be under you and think, gosh, they're prideful. I can't stand this. They want to be drawn to you, God in you, and be easy to work with. A uh, famous quote says, everything rises and falls on leadership. That's why we're talking about this tonight. That's why we talked about this two weeks. In any form of your life, family, work, school, whatever it may be, in the rest of your life, leadership's going to be involved. So you've got to know that God's passionate about it, and we wanted to talk about it tonight. So I want you to bow your heads.